Have you ever wondered why you aren't getting the results, relationships, or life that you want, or why some of your clients run into the same problems? I'm certified life coach, Lindsay Pullman, and I'm here to tell you that there's nothing wrong with you. There's just more to understand about the multifaceted beauty of the human body. I believe that being trauma-informed is an essential standard of care for coaches, and I'm here to support life coaches who recognize that there is so much more than mindset work when it comes to supporting ourselves and our clients responsibly. So glad you're here. Come on in. Hello, everyone. I am so thrilled to have Kathy being part on the podcast today. Hello, Kathy. How are you? Hey, hi, everyone. Good to be here. We've got Kathy here, and we have a really fun subject that we're going to broach on the podcast interview. We are speaking to a, a lot of different things, the difference between, you know, trauma-informed coaching, trauma therapy, and, and different things like that. And people just We'll just dive in. And the reason that I'm doing this podcast episode is because I've had a few people, some past clients and just different people reach out to me about therapists warning them about the uptick in trauma-informed coaching certifications or people who claim to be trauma-informed. And I think there's a place for that. And also what Kathy and I are going to speak to could be really helpful for anyone just figuring out what makes sense to them or what is resonant with them with respect to this subject. Kathy is a trauma therapist and she in the past has been involved in the curriculum that we put together for my initial advanced trauma certification for coaches. And how many years of trauma therapy work have you done, Kathy? I came to therapy a little later in life. So it's really only been about 13 years. And I dived right into trauma as a new therapist and have continued. And what type of trauma work do you tend to lean towards with, with your clients that you work with? Well, the model I, I really enjoy is internal family systems, where it's so client-centered, it's so client-led. I just, I love the way the client moves through without an agenda. Um, and so that one has been particularly, I've seen the power, although I love, De- I love polyvagal with Steve Porges. Deb Dana, Polyvagal, and and IFS really intertwine very well. So yeah, those two are probably my my two picks. Yeah, awesome. And there, I mean, I I know this answer, but for the people who listening, what clients do you find yourself serving with your trauma work? Um, that's a great question. I think I primarily work. So I specialize in sexual addiction, so. Primarily, it's uh, betrayal trauma specifically. And then when the guys that I work with, when they move away from early recovery, I always like to say you've got to get farther from the want of your addiction to get to the why of your addiction. And so they have trauma. And a lot of times the trauma is from what they have viewed, what has aroused them. And arousal, we could have a whole nother podcast on that. But my point is, is that I think a lot of times therapists set it up like the wife has betrayal trauma and he is an addict. And he and so there's no there's no intermingling of how would he not have trauma? Yeah. So so I I really am at I believe I'm a really big advocate for acknowledging that um Addiction is, is in and of itself can be traumatic. So I work with my my caseload's probably more seventy 
percent, eighty percent male, I would say. Yeah, that's cool. I love that you're speaking to that too because I'm actually having my partner Danny on the podcast next week to talk about trauma because I've had professionals reach out to me say, well, "What's this thing with with men and trauma?" Like, I've been working <laughs> with men for years, and that word's never come up. And in my head, I'm like. Ah. right I know I, ah. I know so no. I just feel like having it come from Danny will be really powerful for our listeners because when I was going through my betrayal trauma when we look back he was going through betrayal trauma too right so we're both in that and he was dealing with trauma but then there was a layer of betrayal trauma specific to him being a victim to, to sexual abuse and so I love that you acknowledge that because it's so important that when we speak to systems of oppression, it doesn't mean that men aren't victims to that too, that they can have trauma too, that, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I was thinking it could be helpful for our listeners or anyone who is actually thinking about getting professional support to maybe distinguish between trauma-informed coaching and trauma therapy, how they're similar, but also how they're, they're different. So what would you say with respect to that trauma-informed coaching versus trauma therapy? You know, Lindsay, a, a recent situation came up with a NFL football player. And, and as we're just talking about this, it, it made me think about this situation. So I thought he made a really bold move. He, uh, I don't know about the game. Maybe he didn't play well. I'm not sure. And of course, fans will do what fans do and heckle and, you know, but he posted several racist tweets that he had received from fans. He's an African-American. And he said, this is so common. This is so common and it needs to stop. I get it. Call me on my game. Call me on, you know, anything, but don't be using racial slurs in your feedback. And so I, I guess that's coming to mind because he has had, I am sure, sports coaches coaching him on the field. How does he perform on the field? And it's necessary for that. But now his coaches also understand, I, I would hope, I would sincerely hope, I'm, I shouldn't say they do, but that the, there's this trauma that's coming to the surface. I am sure every African-American athlete has had racial slurs thrown at them. So, so now their coaches have this, um, I, it's like, hey, wait a minute, how does this impact you? How is this different from a fan saying X, Y, Z? How is bringing in the racism um, traumatic? I don't understand that. I don't get it. So those coaches may not yet be trauma-informed coaches, right? But they could get there. They could get training on it. They could go, this is important to me that I understand you as an entire person, that I get to know the whole person here because it influences how I'm going to coach you on the field. I think it would. So, so to me, it's like working hand in hand. And I thought he was incredibly brave for bringing it to the forefront, but he would also probably benefit from some, um, a culturally informed trauma therapist so that they can help him walk through the trauma of that being inundated with that. And he could also certainly benefit from a trauma-informed coach 
where where the coach understands that he may have a trigger about you know about going into the bus for the game and all of a sudden the only seat in the back that's left is in the back for example right and i'm not saying that the coach uh oh wait you got to sit in the front i'm saying be sensitive to it may be a trigger and so if we're triggered we're not as focused so my point is is that the coach doesn't step into hey i'll be your therapist but he steps into hey i can be a trauma informed coach let me learn along with you mm. Oh, it's so good. And and again, just that sensitivity, like where it's a client-sensitive approach versus, hey, like it's the back of the bus, like get over it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and there are plenty of life coaches who will offer that, right? Like, hey, mm-hmm. it's it's 2000 and whatever, that shouldn't be bothering you or, or something what? like that. But when we run right. in the context of trauma and we're sensitive to, you know, people's mapping, what they've potentially inherited, what could be, what couldn't be. It can really just help us support, again, like you said, that whole person and really aim to be understanding of what their lived experience is mm-hmm. and believe them versus kind of be like a little bit, what I kind of say sometimes with, you know, certain ways that coaches have been trained is instead of being like a thought detective and trying to like find the thought that's like, Oh, they mm-hmm. just need to change this around. Really helping them feel seen and witnessed and validated, so that parasympathetic nervous system can be activated, and they can feel, you know, safe enough to maybe even talk or share more about why they might be or might have been triggered, or just even supporting them with certain practices or exercises to, you know, bring in that parasympathetic response as needed. Yeah, I mean. Frequently, I'll have um, parents come in and their family's gone through something traumatic, a divorce, a loss of life, a my kid's addicted to drugs. My son has a learning disability and we're so ill prepared for it. And they'll kind of want to go and they're looking, they're looking for answers. Absolutely. They're looking for the best help, the best guidance. And a lot of times I'll just kind of pump the brakes on. I wonder if I wonder if your family has enough resources to move through this. And so let me back up a minute. Let me say this a little bit differently. I think we have resilient individuals and we're, this is a resilient um, population we have, and they have a lot of tools and skills on their own. And so sometimes if we signal to our kids, whoa, this is, this is so much bigger than us and, and we're going to go to a place and they are going to help us through because we got nothing. Um, that can put more panic into the system than is necessary. And so what I mean by that now, obviously I value therapy and coaching. <laughs> so I'm not saying, hey, good news. We don't need therapists. What I'm What I'm saying is as you try to navigate, where am I going to receive my help from? It's okay to sit down with your kids and say, you know what? We've figured out these parts of moving forward. And really for yourself to kind of validate, you know what? We have figured out seven of the 10 big ticket items to move forward. We have done that with with everything we know, with everything we've got. We're wondering about these three. We're kind of wondering about these three. So we're going to go have somebody help us figure out these three, but guys, look how solid we are in these seven. And so maybe more of a, what I would say is a team effort. It's not, I'm going to the wizard of Oz and they are going to share their knowledge and we will be grateful and, and 
be in a one down position. It's a team effort. It's an absolute team effort, you know? Uh, I love that too, because what, what I also think about is just like seeking out systems of support, right? And not finding the system of support, right? And so it's so different to think like what you were saying, to think we need to find a system of support, a system or the system of support to defer to and, and absolve ourselves of paying attention to our knowing or, or tapping into our felt sense or what feels right or true to us. And just saying like, here's the person with the, you know, one up position, let's just defer to that versus like what you said, like, look, we, we're, we're getting these systems of support in place. And what if we find something for these three, right? These three mm -hmm. parts. It's, it's, I feel mm -hmm. like it just is such a different approach to healing. And I think, you know, it makes sense that we do this, especially as women, because we've been socialized so, so consistently to, to defer and, mm -hmm. and not only to be support figures to others, but also to, to defer our authority or not pay attention to our inner knowing. And so it's so normal. And what if we can really like turn inward and just check in with, you know, what we do know as we're mm -hmm. hiring help, whether it's a coach or a therapist or a doctor, or, you know, you're going to a clergy member or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also think about, you know, the right timing. So yeah. if I have, I have somebody come in um, and their, their concern is they're noticing that their behaviors at work are kind of mimicking how they behave as a child, that would indicate some trauma, right? And so we work on that. We practice skills and they, they kind of try a tool or learn something. And at some point, a lot of times, and again, especially for women, I would say, although, although I, I would say men too, but I, but I do think women in the, in the career world have a, a uniqueness. Um, they go, you know what? I have stepped in to who I am. I have, I have learned the tools. My trauma is informing me, but it's not directing me anymore. And I wonder if I even want to do this. You know, I wonder if, if this is my life. That's the time, I think, to have a good support network of, of business coaches, career coaches, that you go, you know what? I think that's a fantastic question. I think to get curious about, you know, where your career goes is you're, you're ready for it. You're ready for it. So now the timing is, would it fit them better if now they focus simply on a business coach and where to move in their career? Mm -hmm. Because they've got the foundational knowledge about their trauma. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think another thing too, is like what can happen sometimes from a coach perspective is sometimes a woman or a person may not necessarily know that their trauma is informing their behavior and, mm -hmm. and maybe they're functioning to a certain degree. And so they think, okay, here, let's, let's get a business coach. Cause I, you know, I want to change things. I'm not happy. And, you know, sometimes working with a business coach can kind of help, especially if you're working with a trauma informed business coach can help them see like, Oh, there's these deeper layers, right? And so yeah. if we have trauma-informed business coaches who can help them see different layers that could be in, potentially informing their behavior. Then as trauma-informed business coaches, we can, 
be really clear and transparent with what we can look at and what we can do together and where it would make sense to bring in, you know, some conjunctive support or get something like that. Right. And, oh my gosh, if we could just, you know, the more we, and I do so much work in my programs to really normalize, you know, bringing in therapy or, or, you know, hiring out therapists or finding therapists that like, if we can model that normalcy, I think it can go a really long way so that then our clients can, they can hear something from, you know, from their business coach or from someone and they can lean in and they can, again, make an informed decision when the timing works for them. Yeah. And, and to, you know, as a therapist, I think to ask the question, when would you consider that you need to drop back into my office? So that they're really, they're proactive. They're thinking about that. They're going, again, when I ask that, they'll go, oh, I, uh, that's a good question. And they'll pause and, you know, and they'll think, and, and then once they really consider it for their unique situation, they'll go, you know, I think if X, Y, Z, or I think this, I said, yeah, that sounds, that sounds like a point where you might want to drop back in. That's great. That's great. But but now they're empowered to go, you know, and I'll, and I'll mention that to them. See how you knew, see exactly. how you knew. I didn't know when yeah. you needed to come back in yeah. necessarily. Yeah. You knew that if I move my career and X, Y, Z happens, I can see this being triggering possibly. And I would give you a call. And that's where you say, look, I'll be there for you. If, if at all possible, you know, I'll be there for you. And, and so we'll, this going to your coach for four months or six months um, and then dropping back in is not a sign of stepping backwards. It's not a sign of, you know, this coaching really didn't help me because this, it's like, no, 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 no. This is a natural progression over time. Yeah. Just really seeing that healing isn't linear. And I really do see healing and growth. It's kind of synonymous. And mm-hmm. so it's all part of the same thing and it's not linear and there isn't like a, a stage one, stage two. And if you switch from coach to therapy to coach to therapy, that it's different. And I'll say I've ebbed and flowed through that over the years. And I love that I can just own that. Be like, oh, yep, here's something deep. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to go see this person for this type of work. Mm-hmm. So that, and then see this person for this type of work. And, and I know that and I can honor that with myself and it feels so empowering. So I, I love how you even pose that question to your client in a way so that they pause and they check in and connect with themselves, which is so important for healing and empowerment. Those pauses can mean so much. And so I love the way that you worded that too. Yeah. I mean, so often a client, they'll just say something. I'm sure this has been your experience as well. And you can hear the truth in it for themselves. They already knew it. And then they just move on as if something didn't just happen there. But it wasn't just, hey, take a minute. You Um, knew that. You knew that. Did you feel that? Did you feel how you just said this or that? You know, and it's like, oh, I guess. Well, I mean, I didn't really. And they usually try to minimize it. That's like, no, 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 no. That is a win. That is a win. That little piece of the puzzle of you that you're putting together. There's another piece. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. What would you say for people who... Well, actually, before I ask that question, you know, I have heard some trauma therapists say things like people should like, hey, this type, this subject is particularly, you know, there's a lot of trauma, something like that. So make sure you see a therapist 
and then coaching comes later. What would you say to something like that? Sometimes based on how they have managed their system over time because of the trauma, sometimes I can see where coaches, where they go, you know what, we're going to go more with the cognitive, logical mind, the rational brain. We're going to, we're going to allow you to step in to this space in your life in the easiest way possible, the way that's going to get you to safety um, the quickest. And so for some clients, I'm not just, I'm not suggesting that therapists don't do this as well. I do it all the time in my office is that lean to your client's strengths. And if they need that, I'm going to look at this from more of a, I'm going to, I'm going to think about my emotions. Well, if that's where they're starting, let them start there. And I think that sometimes therapists do a big misjustice of just trying to get them to feel or get them to, you know, connect to their body. Are you kidding me? I've spent a lot of time disconnecting. It's not, it's not a goal. It's not a goal oriented process in that way. It's more of a process oriented process. So if you've got a well-trained trauma informed coach, they can give you a little bit of runway so that you're more prepared for therapy. So, I mean, it seems the obvious answer, right? Hey, work on your stuff and then you'll be um, way, that's the path to get to where you want to go with your coach. And I get that and see it, but it's a little too on the nose for me. It's a little too putting us all in this box, check that and then this. And I just, I don't agree that that's necessarily fit because trauma shows up in infinite ways in our bodies. And there are infinite ways to work through the trauma too. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for some people, it starts out with support groups, like coaching support mm -hmm. groups. Um, and that's where they start. And then mm -hmm. from there, they, you know, just, they will all individually, hopefully if the, if the coaching support groups are set up to really help you kind of anchor into your truth and your felt sense and your knowing, then let's see where they go from there, right? And some will mm -hmm. go down that, you know, therapy bracket and some maybe to coaching and some maybe to some other form of healing. And what if this process, like you said, of healing or being or existing as humans, like what if there are just natural ebbs and flows and one doesn't always have to perceive the other? Yeah, I mean, I, I actually have a great example today, and I'm not using this just to plug um, another business I own. But so I own a Saraset franchise in Lehigh, and Saraset just relaxes your brain so it can heal itself. And I have a client that has had pretty horrific trauma within her marriage. And again, things are very much in an upheaval right now. And she is found the benefit of Saraset. So you just sit in a chair, put sensors on your head, it relaxes your brain and it allows usually, um, it's been well-researched now in betrayal trauma. You can really get clarity and calm using Saraset if you've had betrayal trauma. So she texted me this morning and she said, hey, instead of our, there are no words that are gonna help me today. Can I do a Saraset session instead? And it's like, I, I kind of felt, I was like, you know, I feel like maybe she would need that, but she knew that she knew that if Sarah said could just relax her brain, because us talking about this latest 
really uh, challenging place in her life. I don't know. I don't know, Lindsay, that that um, it would have uh, certainly she knows my office is safe. But do you hear how her gut said what I really need is no words and to relax? So we we are we are just learning so much more about the brain. I mean, we know that mindfulness. I, sometimes um, clients will do an eight week mindfulness, John Cabot Zinn's mindfulness class before they start therapy, and that allows them to be a little more centered and a little yeah. more beneficial. So if and I'm not saying like, hey, open yourself up to anything and everything. I'm saying. Be curious about both the, the medical field, what we're learning from science. Science, I believe, is still real, despite some crazy going on. And so is um, holistic approaches that have been around for thousands of years. And mm-hmm. so is coaching and so is therapy. So there's just, yeah, that when the client really has the power to say, here's what I feel like I need then I promise you, you as a coach or you as a therapist have made this place safe enough for them to make that statement. Mm, I love that. I have a podcast episode for people who haven't heard it yet. It's about the felt sense. And there was a study done forever ago on, you know, how, tell us more about people who get results from therapy versus people who aren't getting results from therapy. And they did a big, long study and um, correct me if I'm wrong, but Basically, they found a high correlation to people who are connected to their felt sense are were able to, the people who were connected to a, their own felt sense were able to benefit more from cognitive behavioral therapy. And so to go along with that study and just what Kathy and I have been talking about, it's really just, you know, allowing yourself to check in with yourself and, and to be the authority over your own feeling and, and to seek out in my eyes seek out support that facilitates that for you versus support that's saying I know the way you have to do it this way or blank 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 yeah absolutely absolutely I think that there's that balance right there's that balance to be able to hear and really internalize what somebody is saying and to also hear and have your internal voice that says you know, that was hard to hear, but give me a minute. I, I think it's resonating, but I, I need a minute and, or yep, I got it. You know, like I'll have clients again, I'm sure to with you, Lindsay, they just go, I got it. I got it. And others are like, huh, I got to think about that this week. Let me get back to you. So that is them saying, I'm going to have a conversation with me, with myself and uh-huh. see how that resonates. Mm, yeah. I love that. I have heard it said by a colleague of mine who's a former therapist that when it comes to healing, a lot of times what matters is more the relationship to the provider versus the specific modality. And when I heard that said, I was thinking, yes, finding someone that can support you so that you can develop secure attachment with yourself um, while they maybe perhaps model secure attachment. What would you say to that? Yeah, I train uh, new interns and and newer therapists, and it's scary when you're a new therapist. You want to be there and do your best and help for sure, and so you can lean into the model. And they're like EMDR, 
ART, they have very specific steps to them and they do lovely things. But to me, what I'm always telling these interns is that, can you imagine being a client and you're in the couch and this therapist is doing something to you so that you change and this something is out here. It's not between you and them. I just don't see the value in that because life is about connection. And so if I don't feel safe and connected, I am not going to have the capacity to learn in that moment. So it it just, it doesn't ring true that you could benefit if you don't feel safe. It's always safety first with our brain, always safety first. Now with trauma, sometimes things can feel really unsafe, but they're the safest thing you can do. So honesty can feel incredibly unsafe, but it's the safest thing you can do. And things that feel safe, keeping a secret can be the most unsafe thing you can do. So with, with, with trauma, I I would say the caveat being is you have to sometimes trust for a while that the person you're with is helping you see that what you're doing really actually is not safe for your well-being. Mm, Yeah. And with that comes making sure with your clientele that you're doing what you can to facilitate that relationship of trust, right? Mm -hmm. And they're belief in the process and and by process I don't mean like a linear process but just the general process of healing when they're as the client's belief may ever and flow that therapist or coach or person can kind of maintain that for them yeah for sure for sure and for the therapist or coach to recognize how many people in places of authority have betrayed this client I mean if you come in and they're wanting help or believing that you will be helpful, you're still in a position in their mind, very likely of authority. And so be respectful of their journey. Yeah. That that the trauma of that position, whether it's through uh, religion or a boss or a parent or a coach, I mean, there's a myriad of relationships that are shattered with betrayal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also like being mindful of that and, and even to layer on being mindful to that, communicating that to the client, they might not even recognize that they're unconsciously placing you in a position of power for them to defer to, you know, right. Especially right. in socialized as a woman. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's generational trauma that um, can really prevent. I mean, there's all sorts of trauma that can prevent them from speaking what really is true to them or just a myriad of things. I mean, that's, that's one of the heartaches of trauma. They, you don't know where you can show up authentic. And sometimes I'll ask somebody, where is your safe place? And they'll say here. And that is sad. One hour, once a week, uh, it's hard. And sometimes they're realizing that for the first time when the question's asked and they're like, wow, yeah, I don't think, well, let's see what, where else can we start getting a little safety into your life outside of here, you know? So what I'm saying is yeah, as a culture therapist, don't be like, oh, that's so cool. That's great. You know, which, which yeah, if certainly if they get at least an hour, they get a respite. So I don't, I don't want to dismiss that. But what I'm saying is don't let ego stand in the way of what, what they really need is safety in relationship outside of your office as well. 
Yeah. And a lot of times when someone's coming to the couch, that be at the coaching couch or the couch, like they're sometimes on their way to, you know, setting boundaries that could affect those relationships. And that's not always comforting as well. So knowing that they can have that, that respite with you and, and know what safety is and what it can look like. It's really clear so they can start, you know, creating that for themselves in their life. But also I love how you speak to like any grief that could be associated with, you know, the idea that they may be feeling fully seen or witnessed or validated by someone with no agenda for the first time in their life when they come to you, right? And how can we honor that and see that, you know, for them? Yeah. And don't get farther ahead than where they're at. And I think this is true in both our arenas, Lindsay. Um, the perception, I would say, and certainly you can comment on this or or, or disagree, but the coaches are goal-oriented. So it's like, boom, boom, boom. That's the perception where in therapy, it's like, oh, we're just going to live in the past for, you know, the first six years of therapy and then we'll move forward. You know, and I'm using extremes on both sides, but, but there's a balance there. There's a balance there that, you know, look over to the other person's couch and, and how are their skills going to enhance your, your client's life as they merge with your skills that are enhancing their life in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just being cognizant of coaches like that, you know, if you're a coach and you're, you know, supporting someone with their goals, for me, I have trauma come up when I'm setting big goals or when I'm about to set goals where I feel like I'm potentially betraying, you know, betraying my family by who knows what, right? Like, you know, making a certain amount of money and how easily it can be versus what I saw growing up, right? And and even that feeling like there's a betrayal. And so having support and having people that, you know, are cognizant of that and aware of that so that they can support you, whether it's a coach or a therapist can be really monumental. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're all in this together. Yeah. You know, we're all in this together and we have good friends that at times get in that coach position in a beautiful way. You know, Hey, let's see how far we can get today. And and we have friends that that listen and it feels like, you know, the typical therapy session where I just felt seen and heard. And and so it's not like we're not being having these these same kind of pathways to healing, you know, outside of one hour session. You know, we're we can all lift each other. Of course. Yes. Like where one rises, all rise. Mm-hmm. Yes. So something that I kind of envision in the future is just when it comes to humans and their healing, it's just this really collaborative dynamic between coaches, therapists. And in my eyes, I see it being in the best interest of the clients to show up in that way. How would you speak to that? Yeah, it's a challenge, Lindsay. And it is a challenge to figure that out, I would say. And I think one of the biggest hurdles is is let's be honest about where we want to get to and see and and give it a shot. Like, like what you just said, because if we're in this camp of, you know, anyone can be a life coach and they think they're, you know, and then you go on to, to tell the horror story of that, or 
look at, I mean, right now in Utah, we have a therapist that I know uh, well that is sitting in a jail cell for um, her behavior. So we have, you know, so the life coach can go, well, you know, all they've done is their book learning and and they don't move people forward or whatever the argument is. I mean, like we're just in these two separate camps. And to me, it's like, what if we're not? I mean, just what if we're not? What if we can value each other? And then who makes the rules to to how we work together? You know, who decides that? And how do we, how do we police ourselves? Because I do think that we need some regulations for those outliers. And I do believe they're outliers on both sides, Mm -hmm. the therapists and the coaches that are in this and they're harming people. But I think there's a way forward. We just need to get more people at the table. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And and that's my hope is just that for me as a coach, just really normalize the ebb and the flow, the coming and going, because there are just incredible therapists out there as I know, and you know, and, and that can do some incredible work that, that I don't have the specific training for. And, and when I'm thinking about the client, right, am I thinking about my bottom line and how long I can string someone along with me and, and make them think that they need me for their healing? Or is it what do they need most right now, right? And how can I educate them around potential different modalities of healing so that, again, they can lean into their knowing and think, oh, what was that thing she said about internal family systems or EMDR that actually sounds kind of nice. Like, what is that? Right. And, and what if it could be more about that, where we're supporting people and leaning into themselves so that they can, they can have support and they can have guides, but they can always be that final say. Yeah. I think that, I think the trauma informed certification that we worked on and that is moving forward. I think it's a great, good example of the first step in building that bridge. It's not like coaches are saying trauma doesn't affect us and we just move forward. That's just not the anything we've heard, heard from any coach we're associated with. They're saying, oh my goodness, is there a way that I could learn about trauma so that I can better understand my client? And I know that the coaching program that you went through offers it to to licensed therapists, they say, hey, I think we've got some skills that maybe would benefit you as a therapist. So we're starting to see, we're starting to see the bridge getting built. And I think that's a positive. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And the people who, again, who have been coming through the program too, you know, sometimes they want to talk before signing up and oh, it melts me in the best way because they want to support their client. They want to make mm-hmm. sure that they have what they need to facilitate their clients' growth and healing. And they can yes. see some stuff missing that they didn't get in their original certification. So they're coming for that next training. Or because I offer my full certification now to people who see that what is being a coach without this trauma more piece. The coaches that, that I was involved in training, not one of them, not one of them was using it as a backdoor way into becoming a therapist. Absolutely not. They were, they, their questions were informed. They were educated. They were saying, Kathy, where do you see the line is? 
Lindsay, what do you think about this? They were absolutely, like you just well said, what's best for my client? So they were absolutely using your course as it was designed to help them better see the client as a whole, mm-hmm. not as they're a part of them. Yeah. Yeah. And my goal in, in both of these programs too is to help the trainees see themselves as whole because as as you self-apply with respect to your toughest relationship or whatever you've been experiencing, the more you can ground yourself, the more you can understand yourself, your nervous system, your potential layers of trauma and feel safe in that, the more that you can have those those eyes of discernment to to better serve your clients, whether that's referring them out or bringing support or whatever. Absolutely. Well, Kathy, this has been so amazing. I feel like I could talk to you for, yeah. I feel like we could have our own podcast I know. Yeah, I know. on all the things that would be fun to talk to you about. But it's true. Before we jump off, what is there anything else that you would want to share about you? Any programs or offerings or where people can find you? I'm going to be presenting in uh, Denver in a couple of weeks. And I'm doing a little, if anybody's local in Lehigh and wants to drop by and say hi, I'm doing a community <laughs> workshop. And my you'll love my um, topic, Lindsay. It's correctly modeling failure. <laughs> oh, beautiful. <laughs> I don't know if that's on my website or not, but. Yeah, I think it's on my Kathy Kinghorn Facebook page, the address and everything. So if anybody's in Lehigh, drop by and say, you saw me on this and wanted to meet me in person. Okay, I'll make sure I'll have my assistant add the link to your website and your Facebook page. And then um, people seeking you out can find you. And yes, Kathy is one that in a lot of the programs that I teach, she's on that list of therapists that we, where we send people that direction when they're looking for this deeper work. Because- not only do you guys have so much training, but you're abundant in the sense of knowing when to send people somewhere else too. That'd be great. Good seeing you, Lindsay. Yeah, I'm the best day. Yeah. Hey, come and join us in this revolution. Gotta call before we walk this in evolution. So are you ready to become a part of our forever community of trauma-informed coaches? Go to lindsaypullman.com and see if my advanced certification is a fit for you. And we ready to heal is what we pursuing. Coaches change lives, it's what we doing. This the place to be, no need to panic see. We got each other's backs in this healing community. Wanna know the facts? It's simple. When we coming together, yeah, we got unity.